Hey, Tevi. Hey, Susanna. It's been so long since I, we did this. This is so exciting. Time. Yeah, I'm really glad to see you again. I hope this like long space between episodes does not stay the norm. We've both been so busy in our new roles. I know. There's been a lot to do. Yeah, there's been a lot to do. A lot of solar going Helping up. Helping people get the solar. <laughs> solar. You've been like reshaping how we see ourselves as a company with your values mm-hmm. work, which is so exciting. I hear yeah. you guys are like almost on the cusp of like a mission statement thing. Yeah, we've been rethinking it nice. and thinking about how to go into zero in kingston and thinking about how to make our company more diverse and inclusive yeah it's exciting stuff it's super exciting stuff yeah we recently i mean pretty recently moved into this big amazing like air hang like hangar of an airport like a small airfield uh as our office it's gigantic and now it's like full to the brim of solar panels on the like warehouse side um but you're right like we moved in we leased this space we left a net zero building in rhinebeck which was like hudson solar's home for like I don't even know, like the last two decades, basically. Yeah, long time. And the founder of that space designed it. Like the Amazing. the professional engineer that started Hudson Solar designed and built that space. Like, like to purpose be built. Zero, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so now we're in this space we don't own. It's like it's owned by a property by the property owner, and we're you're talking to him about how we can net zero up the space, right? So it's like solar, yeah. geothermal. Are there any other aspects that I don't know that go into this kind of net zero? We're trying to figure it out, but in Kingston, the yeah, the biggest biggest thing to switch over from fossil fuels is the heating system. Sure. Yeah. Gigantic open space. It must take a lot of power to heat it for sure. Yeah, it's complicated because it's much easier to create a electric heating system with a new building when you're right. planning to do it from day one. But when you go into these older buildings that have been built in, you know, ye old twentieth century, <laughs> um, they were just built in a different time when energy was very cheap and plentiful and it didn't matter how much fossil fuels you burned. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. We're, we're having to do some work to figure it out, but we're, we're committed to figuring it out and that's the right thing to do. And it's an exciting challenge. Yeah. And I feel like I'm on like the same challenge, but on the micro, like I've been thinking about um, going with like mini splits for like nice. heating and cooling my home. And even there, it's like, I'm like thinking like, oh, I, I'm pretty sure that like my service panel and how electricity like enters my home is up to snuff. But like, it does raise those questions of like, is, yep. my, is my home like up to the challenge? Right. I think it is. I'm pretty sure it is. But yeah, like that same question. It, it's also like, it shows how addictive uh, it is, at least for me to have gone solar. Because mm-hmm. now that I've been solar, these you are like- Start thinking about I it. Know, like these are the mm-hmm. good months too. These are like my big production months. And I find myself like checking the app even more for like mm-hmm. how much I'm producing. Because- you know, a little squirrel. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, did I get another acorn today? Yeah. Only two acorns. Winter's, oh, no. winter's coming, and I know the dark days <laughs> are coming. So I want to make sure I'm, I'm like up, and now I'm like, man, I should have just like maxed out my roof. You know, yeah. like no, shut up, shut up. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk to my, I'll talk to my solar home advisor at SunCommon and see. If Do we can help you with that? Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, and on my end, we've just been kind of almost weirdly in preparation for next year, even though it's already, uh, it's only August, like. We just started having some initial creative conversations about next year's Climate Action Film Festival. Ooh, I'm excited. Very excited. You'll be pulled into those very soon. Um, so we're psyched about that. Uh, and there's just like a number of really cool things happening around SunCon. Uh, I'm, I'm a marketing director, but like a few of us directors have been able to get together and kind of have more of a say in the sort of mid and long term strategy uh, of how the company is being run, which is a very exciting thing. I, I've been a part of a number of, um, in my past at work, I've been a part of a number of different mergers and acquisitions, like companies that have been acquired or done the acquiring. 
And, you know, we were somewhat recently acquired by this company, iSum. So with my past experience, I was like kind of dreading the worst things that happened during a merger and acquisition. It's like the loss of control, sometimes the loss of staff. And what's been amazing, at least so far, is that like this has been the opposite. We've been working really closely with our partners at iSun on very different things. Like we basically have been like collaborating where we can collaborate, but the business units have been very much like hands off of each other. Some of our like upper executives are mingling more and like, you know, mixing their processes more. But at least for me, it's been resulting in what feels like a lot more like local decision-making at SunCommon in both New York and Vermont, which I think is really healthy for the business. So I've, I've, I've just been, it's been a good period. It's been a good little chunk of being incredibly busy all the time. Very busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Yes. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. No. In fact, today is the season finale. The solution season. So uh, let's like uh, kick in the music and get to the episode. Here we go. I should just say Laura. Should I just say we have like one really awesome Yes, Lauren Mathis, Lauren Mathis. This podcast is for you. For we you. love you. Yeah, Lauren, you're, you're the best. Thank you for number. listening to every episode and that we all, put out. You're the best. Yeah, all like 60, 70 other subscribers. Yeah. Who our, are, moms. Yeah, our moms. Thanks, moms. <laughs> Lauren and our moms. Well, we really uh, appreciate you sticking with us through this longer than we had planned duration of a season. We love doing yes. the solution season. You know, we wanted to basically take a microscope to a number of different proposed solutions to climate change, some more popular than others or, you know, well-known than others. And we, we put them through the ring or we graded them. Uh, and we really, I had, a, I had a lot of fun doing these like kind of deep dives mm-hmm. um, and learning about some solutions that I had never even heard of. So we thought for today's episode, we'll just do a quick recap of all the solutions we talked about. Maybe kind of because it's been such a long season, like update each of them with some happenings and some things that we've seen on each of these fronts. And then we'll give you a little taste of what's to come with the solar spill. We've got a really exciting season ahead of us. So yeah, we'll just do a quick recap of the solutions and we'll jump right into a preview of uh, the next season. Yeah. So I I was, if you don't mind, like just as the sort of neophyte of this topic, the first episode in our solution season was sail freight, mm-hmm. which is something that I had never even heard of, mm-hmm. which is so hilarious how like the system can reprogram your brain to only see the reality that's in front of you and mm-hmm. not even take into account that like, um, ships sailed on wind forever. <laughs> it works. It was a proven technology. Forever, ever. Forever, ever. Forever, ever. Yeah, and I never felt as long until I put my sail up into the air and was drifting on the Hudson on the power of the <laughs> earth and the wind. It's amazing. So sail mm-hmm. freight, right? Like using the power of the wind to move ships this is how basic boo-boo i am to move ships on the water it works it works it's amazing and to deliver goods for a commercial economy that requires goods to be moved all over so yeah i had never heard of this as a viable solution and i think maybe between the episode and then just being more like outside and like in my community now that like my kids are two out of three vaxxed and i'm like spending more time out the hudson valley uh is home to a real sail freight ship uh we have a local filmmaker john bowermaster who we've mentioned a couple times before on the solar spill 
And he made this film called Windshift, which follows the schooner Apollonia. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is this uh, Sam, what's his name? Sam Merritt is the yes, sailor. Yeah. Sam, my friend Sam up in Hudson. What's up, Sam? I don't know if you remember Susanna. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Many, moons ago. Many moons ago. I haven't seen him for a while, but yeah, he's been doing this Apollonia, the boat. Yeah. And he he will take stuff from any Hudson Valley merchants down to New York City or vice versa. Amazing. In the in the boat, and they sail. So and it works. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. In the in the movie, I saw a little snippet of it the other day, and um, they were talking about how like we're not Amazon, you know, like it's not going to get there overnight because it's coming on a boat that is powered by the wind. Yep. You know, it's it is it's a return in many ways to the you know logistics and logistical challenges yep. of yesteryear. You know. But it's also not all bad. Like, do you need this thing next day? No. Do Maybe need, not. Do we need most things next day? Yeah. Definitely not. I think it's yeah. really critical that we start to, I mean, we're talking about sail freight here, but I think one of the beautiful things is that it, like, challenges these completely false expectations that were created for us. This The, the demand that we feel now to have something delivered to us overnight or in two days is completely useless and it's mm-hmm. going to kill us. It's going to kill us all. And it's it's a demand that was generated by the platform that knew that it could pull it off. There's mm-hmm. no other reason why we expect two-day shipping other than Amazon knew that it could pull it off in certain populations and rolled out the damn Prime account. Like, for more reasons than just their labor practices, mm-hmm. we have to shut down this weird expectation that has been manufactured in us that we need things instantly. Yeah. I shake my fist at you, Prime! I shake my fist as well at you, Prime! So yeah, Silfred, <laughs> we gave it a B-, minus. I think yeah. only because the scale of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this will obviously slow things down. And on scale, we would need this to be retrofitted to, like, every major ship. And we'd need to do this massive un-Amazon priming of the the global brain. So it felt like a yeah. B-, minus, where it's completely practical from an operational standpoint, but it, there's definitely some scale scale troubles yeah and i will say as um not not that i am a a sail freighter myself but i do have a very small sailboat and i committed this year to getting rid of the fossil fuel engine and putting in an electric motor with a battery and it has been more complicated than i thought it would be yes it is you know it's like i'm i'm glad to see that people are tackling the issue but Powering a boat with just a sailboat and an electric motor and a battery, it's tough. or maybe a you know a solar panel, we just we don't have the technology yet. Like I'm glad people are working on it yet, but it's not as seamless as a system as you want it to be yet. So the B minus feels like it sticks. Yeah, that's actually that's a pretty accurate grade all those months yeah. ago. Cool. So yeah, sail freight was our first episode, and that went into our second episode, which was kind of like. I felt like it was such a huge shift at the time, like going from like something really mm-hmm. practical and like small, but not in a bad way small, to something that was like the thing. It was massive. <laughs> but um, can we give you a congratulations because hashtag nailed it. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah, unfortunately. Do you remember that? You were like so excited about Sarah Bloom Raskin. Yes. You're like, she's so climate forward. The Fed, this yeah. could be a solution. And then they were like, denied. We will yeah. not be hiring this person. She's too climate forward. Sometimes I really hate when I'm right. Yeah, uh, that, it did not feel good to be right about that one. Yeah, Sarah Bloom Raskin was the sort of like Fed chair in waiting. She has an incredible work history of being very climate informed. And she really published a lot of, spilt a lot of ink, basically saying that that was the Fed's role right now was to be climate first in a lot of ways and to begin to calculate climate risk into a like credit rating or evaluation rating for a company 
And that was perhaps a little too radical for them. Yeah, if we had a soundboard, there would have been like clapping and applause when you said that. Immediately transitioned to the oh. Yeah, totally, absolutely. So a big, a big B minus is what we gave the Fed. And honestly, right now we're living in a wonderful example of what it's like to have an active Fed that is not an activist Fed. Right? Mm -hmm. The Fed is. Right. Raising interest rates. Ratchet. Yeah. Ratchet. It's like Ratchet. they need to slow <laughs> inflation. And the way that they're using it is this blunt force tool of um, the uh, interest rate. And so it's having the desired effect. It's like it feels like a recession without anybody calling it a recession. It is everything's more expensive. And then loans are also more expensive. So it is having a pump the brakes effect on the economy writ large. There are still some aberrations and weird stuff. For some reason, stock markets continue to survive. There's like, you know, every so gas prices are starting to fall again, which is a huge relief um, if for people driving gas guzzlers. But like, you're you like, know, not, for me, not for me, but for all you electric, people all out there. You, you poor pedestrians. Um, no, but, you know, there's the it's it's really the, the thing that I have to say is like, even while all of these deleterious effects of uh, inflation are being felt by us, the people who have to live in this economy, we are all seeing record profits for the fossil fuel companies that are still slowly so infuriating out, right? because what we were saying in that episode was <sighs> the fed has every tool at its disposal to you know lower the credit rating mm -hmm. to bar certain types of loans for these companies to for example cut them off from the direct stimulus that they receive from the u.s government mm -hmm. to survive the economic downturns now look this is bigger than the fed there's the russian invasion of ukraine there's a lot of forces outside of just the fed's control but you know, this is what happens, like I said, when you have an active but not an activist Fed. We gave them a B minus for their capacity to be a part of the solution to climate mm -hmm. change. And I remember a number of times in the episode you were talking about, like, aren't, aren't we still living in capitalism? Like, isn't the ultimate goal to ratchet back towards that economic stability? It, it is, unfortunately. I think that there's some things that are changing. You know, there's definitely ways that we can see. Um, we're going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act, and you know, there's there's mm -hmm. definitely a lot of good potential coming. You know, yeah. a lot of sea change coming for where and when political will can be used to fight climate change. But until the, such a time that the Fed feels like they can take on their full power as activists, not just active controllers of the interest rate, I think that B minus sticks. I may even give it a C plus after the Sarah Bloom Raskin. <laughs> she was my X factor, Oof. you know? <laughs> I know, but I think that the IRA also shows us that when the political will is there, big mountains can move. Absolutely. So imagine what would happen if the political will was there and the Fed felt like they had permission to actually make that solution. Yeah. It'd be like, bam! Yeah, it'd be the opposite of the horrors of the Supreme Court right now. We uh, see it. We can't even go there. Yeah, I we can't go there. I apologize. Having never been a woman, I, I don't know how deeply that cuts, but um, I, I can absolutely tell. That's really, sorry. It's just the opposite <laughs> side of the coin. Yeah, that was a uh, seppuku right there. Great. Yeah, thanks. Um, how about the next Here's episode? your knife. So that was, okay, so sale freight B minus, the Fed B minus, mm -hmm. and then? And then we did regenerative agriculture. One of my, my favorites. One of my favorites of the entire season. I just love this solution so much because, I mean, did you see Kiss the Ground? Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah, totally. We are actually trying, we're, uh, Spoiler alert, we're hoping to put together some screenings of Kiss the Ground, not Climate Action Film Festival related, just like some common trying to... It's a great film. It's so it's good. It's super great. It's yeah. so good. And in it, I think you can actually see this in the trailer too. If you haven't seen the movie, just look up the trailer. They show a time-lapse 
um, graph showing the world, map of the world, and then they monitor carbon emissions over the year. Wow. And it is fascinating to see this plume of carbon emissions in the springtime when we're tilling. Springtime North America, right? Yeah. Um, when North Americans are tilling the soil. Wow. It so is just, it, stunning. That's amazing. It is this massive carbon emissions moment that you you don't even think about. You think about carbon emissions come out of the tailpipe every day. They yeah, come out of the factory every day. It's coming out of the land when we till the land. And you can see it in the graph so clearly. So if you haven't seen that movie, it's graph. awesome. That's yeah, a great follow-up. Um, but something that is still sticking with me about this that I really like, especially in light of all the supply chain delays and all of the microchip difficulties and we're just having trouble getting goods, mm -hmm. regenerative agriculture is not a tech-heavy solution. It's about changing process. It's about changing our ways. But it doesn't depend on microchips. It doesn't depend on buying a new piece of equipment, right. buying a new energy system, buying a new thing, creating a new thing, making a new thing. It's actually about returning to knowledge in ways that we have already proven out that we've already been using for a long time. Yeah. So it feels very simple and beautiful in that way. And I also just kind of like that, you know, it's it's a problem of the environment. Mm -hmm. And here's a solution of the environment. Oh, oh that's beautiful. You know? What a wonderful poetic turn. And I think it's like such a critical thing, too, that like we are, whether we like it or not, we're living in an age of incredibly quick technological advance. Like, I know every generation probably feels that way, but I think there is also just this incredible... Uh, ubiquity to the role of technology in our lives now that's the microchips the instant deliveries the da 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 yep. all of these technologies popped up so I think it's like really cool to see something that is you were saying like of nature and I'm just thinking like it's all redundant technologies it's all mm -hmm. like methodologies that we have refined over thousands and thousands of years um, and really we could probably still be refining them like imagine working mm -hmm. in like the field of ag or regenerative ag and being like, I want to bring like everything that I've learned, you know, all of the sort of like most up-to-date science to the work of the earth. It's just a cool thing. And I think yeah. also we see the danger in our next episode of the flip of being too beholden to new technology and sort of the promise of mm -hmm. that. It becomes a bit of a poison apple. Where's uh, the fart all. sound? Oh yeah, the, 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 for the soundboard, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because the next episode we did after Regenerative Ag, which by the way, we gave an A- to. I think that was the highest grade yeah. any of the yeah. winners would get was an A-. I would still give it that. Yeah. I still love I would, that I would absolutely still give Regenerative yeah. Ag an A-. Mm -hmm. But the one that we did after that was like high-tech low mm -hmm. impact f which was yeah we got an f the f minus f of this, i don't think we gave it an f minus to be fair g. we gave it a g damn uh we <laughs> were talking about carbon capture and storage technologies yeah which folks if you don't remember is essentially scraping the exhaust from power plants uh and other facilities that are high carbon output facil facilities like sucking that carbon through a process that then can take the active fuel cells essentially separate them uh, capture the stuff that is not used, uh, store it improbably dangerously in an unproven storage uh, saline solution, essentially, and Lord knows how long that will last or not last before something terrible happens. This all sounds like a great idea. Why'd we give it an F? It's basically like fuel recycling. It's like, it's like, it's carbon fuel recycling. And it's, I think it was pitched, you know, or is continue, it's continuing to be pitched as this miracle way to clean up the fossil fuel industry and maximize efficiency but folks friends enemies even if you're listening this is just a path
path to more fossil fuel usage. It doesn't solve anything. It doesn't transition away in any way from the very processes and systems that are killing us. So like, I can't, look, this has come up a number of times, especially because there's traces of this in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do a full breakdown of the Inflation Reduction Act in our next episode. But like, this thing is dangerous. It's just, it's dangerous. It feels really, really dangerous to continue to promote this. The biggest lobbyists and promoters for these technologies are the fossil fuel companies. So this really does feel like a way of elongating their grip on the global energy economy versus transitioning away from them. So I, I still feel effy on these guys. Um, I, I think the Iffy, only, Iffy? the F, yeah, I just feel like the only way that I would like, I don't know, I, is it a viable transitionary technology? I don't think so. My gut still says it is not because it's really just in the use of this this terrible process of mining, you know, and extracting fuels out. But what do you think? Has anything changed in your mind? No, still feels very F territory to me. Um, And I have to say, I feel pretty vindicated also that many uh, of the critiques coming out about the Inflation Reduction Act are like, why would we put money towards carbon capture? This (laughs) garbage. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, see, I, they agree. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think when you think about it logically, you know, of course we're not going to cut off fossil fuels tomorrow. So there is going to be a ramp down and you could say, okay, well, if we're going to continue to use them, why wouldn't we develop carbon capture technologies to make that ramp down, um, less bad right to, right, to right. capture the carbon of what we know we're going to burn okay fine that logically makes sense however once you implement that those same voices are then going to say well we can just keep burning it then because it's it's not as bad as it was you know like it's a very slippery slope to implement the technology and you know if we're gonna put some amount of resources like let's just say it's a billion dollars sure. we're gonna put a billion dollars to carbon capture hopefully that is going to be redundant very soon, right? Right, Like 25 to 50 years, hopefully that's going to be a billion dollars that we just wasted. Right, and like momentum is a hell of a drug in this system. So it's like to put more, a a billion more in your example, it's going to be more than that, but to put a billion more into a system that really only serves to elongate the use of carbon fuels or non-renewables, yeah, it it definitely seems like a bad idea. Then they'll say, oh, but we just put a million, we just put a billion dollars into this. Why would we get rid of it? You know, we should just put that a billion dollars into infrastructure improvements, the things that we're going to use long term. Like, let's not keep putting it into the interim. Yeah, it's just going to prolong it. I'll stick by the F, but I'll ask, you know, are there any examples of like better transitional technologies that we saw? I'm I'm definitely that was my terrible transition into the next episode. So that was (laughs) carbon capture and storage, which we gave an F. And Susanna, what about the next episode? The next episode we did was transportation, yeah. which we were pretty happy with. Absolutely. Um, EVs are available and transportation is contributing a lot to right. our uh, emissions right now. So if we could wholesale change that over, that would be a pretty good thing. But and it's going to take some time. Technology is available. It's happening. Yeah. Um, it's not super affordable yet, but it's getting there. Especially, We keep teasing the act, but with right. the... Yeah. Inflation Reduction Act, it's getting even more affordable. We're headed in that direction. Um, But I did have some interesting follow-up on it because I was talking to my cousin who is a legit nuclear physicist, like does engineering for nuclear power plants. So he's 
He's a very smart person. Um, but he was talking to me about hydrogen. He's based in the UK. And in the UK, they actually, their heating systems used to be run off of hydrogen because it was a byproduct of their coal industry. Mm. And so they have this whole network for moving hydrogen all around the country and heating people's homes with it. Nice. When that kind of petered out, they did a few small infrastructure changes uh, to allow those same systems to then burn gas, natural gas. Um, so that's what they're running on now, but they could easily go back to hydrogen again. Huh. So his whole argument was, we can make this transition back to hydrogen, which is a very clean burning fuel, like doesn't right. really have carbon emissions. Um, we just need to be able to make the hydrogen in a renewable green way. So could we create, you know, hydrogen plants that are making that, that are fueled by solar power oh. and then they're creating the hydrogen? Because if you can use hydrogen in those systems, you don't have to get rid of all that old infrastructure Got and replace it. it with new infrastructure. Um, and I'm bringing this up in the transportation episode here because isn't that kind of true of cars as well? Like we see some manufacturers um, not jumping on the EV train, wanting to go something more like hydrogen or, or just a different fuel source, citing that, hey, we already have all this massive infrastructure to build cars in a certain way right, to burn fuels. Yeah. We have all these gas stations. Switching over to EVs makes a lot of sense. And also there's still challenges, right? I mean, just sure. in June, just a couple months ago, that Tesla car in the junkyard caught fire, yeah. right? It's like the... The EVs, it has a lot of promise, and we're still working it out. Yeah, totally. Like, it doesn't feel like we're ready for every single car in America to be an EV at this point. Yeah. And even if we did that, a lot of the infrastructure we've already built would get scrapped, and we'd have to build a lot of new infrastructure. So this one has brought up some more questions for me. Just yeah. like, what are, what are other solutions that we could implement for transportation? Also for heating, which we didn't cover at all in the season, but... Um, you know, hydrogen could be an interesting twist for both of those that would actually allow us to use more of the existing infrastructure and avoid the carbon emissions associated with rebuilding so much. Amazing. I, I, it's, it's a really, and let me just, let me just back up for a second to just capture. So like hydrogen plant is incredibly high energy to produce, like to make one of these plants and run it, it would be very, very high energy. Yes. Right? So then that would be the ding that I would formally give hydrogen as a transitional solution because it's just so yeah it's just like so energy intensive to produce but if we could find a way to power that plant with a renewable say like wind or solar right then the hydrogen that we're producing uh which does burn cleaner um and is way way safer for usage and would be actually i think a pretty middle high grade for a solar solar solutions episode itself like that would allow us to continue to use like ice engine cars after a minimal transition to take hydrogen fuel and really be a meaningful reduction in carbon without having to hit the costs of all of that infrastructure change all at once. I think that to me that kind of creates a lot of potentially big advantages, which is like, you know, this this, uh, this transition is going to be expensive, not just for the governments of the world, but for the people of the world, right? To like switch over to an EV, an induction cooktop, whatever it's going to be to like electrify your life. This is costly and maybe not accessible to everyone. 
So you might have a car and you might want to be more environmentally conscious, but you can't afford an EV. This, after a small transition, would maybe allow you to drive your car with way less carbon output. I like that, but like, can we like? It's not quite as simple as that because no. I don't think you can put hydrogen in a, in yeah, a yeah, gas yeah. fuel Sorry, car. Yeah, sorry, not no, yeah, but like but the, in the sense of like a like a a Ford power plant, for example, yeah. can make minimal changes to their building infrastructure. Gotcha. It's not the same thing as like taking on batteries and no your design. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Sorry, it's not like a completely different chassis design. You're yeah, absolutely right. Sorry, you're. I I always forget that you're more of like a, a grease monkey than I am. Is that the right term? Like car <laughs> person, whatever. Like you were like you went I mean, biodiesel like, for a I while. I know how to change my oil. Oh, yeah, you went biodiesel for a while. I did. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the question that it then begs for me anyway is like, is it? Is there any examples of like powering a plant that big with like wind or solar? Like, is that? Well, yeah, Ford actually, speaking of, um, Ford actually just announced that they're going to um, electrify one of their factories. Oh. Yeah, so that they're they're going to, I think that they're aiming for like zero carbon on, on some of their vehicles now, which is Whoa. pretty cool. That would be actually for their EV fleet, that would make it like an incredible value proposition. That would be the real coup de grace of like, yeah, very little carbon went into the making of this car and then it's going to run for, you know, X amount of decades off of batteries. That's pretty incredible. Way to go forward. Yeah. So yeah, we gave transportation an A minus. I think it would be a really huge uh, transformation for our society. And then in our last episode, the the last real episode of the Solar Solution season, we turned our attention to solar. We thought, why not really turn the microscope back on ourselves? We found some really good challenges. We found some really great opportunities when it came to solar. We ended up giving it an A minus. So both solar, so solar. Transportation and regenerative agriculture were the three A minuses of our season. Carbon capture and storage was the F. The Fed and sale freight both got B minuses. And solar, I think, you know, it, it obviously, subjectively speaking, we're, it's hard for us to, you know, we have a bias. We work in solar, so we know the ins and outs. But we also do know the outs. Like, we know how challenging it can be, um, how it's not, you know, sort of priced or incentivized yet for every audience or every family in America. Um, but again, we're teasing this this bill, um, this Inflation Reduction Act, it does seem, pardon the pun, the future is very, very bright for solar. Oh, um, <laughs> I had to get the dad joke in, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, this is still top. Yeah. Um, but no, it does seem that like um, so many of the roadblocks for specific uh, populations in this country to going solar from uh, nonprofits, uh, you know, houses of worship to you know, uh, communities that have been basically kept away from these technologies, the technology because of them. like there are specific provisions that like a direct pay option uh, that would allow folks to literally just get the price of their solar system knocked down. Like if they did not have the tax appetite, that's a game changer. I didn't realize that got in there. Yeah, that's yeah, so yeah. great. I mean, well, look, here's the thing. The reason why we're not having a full-throated conversation about the Inflation Reduction it's Act not today, yet. it has not passed yet. So we have had we have had our dreams crossed a few too many times in this past year and a half over what we used to be We called. have to redo this episode because it doesn't pass. No, I'm no, no. That's to... why we're not talking about it. Oh, my we're God. loading in our potential disappointments right now. Look, this used to be called the Build Back Better bill, which was, you know, whatever. The Triple B, Liverpool Dream, I'll be that. Sorry. More like Build Back Never bill. Build Back, more like it, yeah. But now that it's gone through a heck of a lot of slimming down, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act, which for the moment is better marketing, I think, you know, mm-hmm. for the name of a yeah. bill. Whether or not it does anything yeah. for inflation, we shall see. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to get really deep into, into the weeds once that bill yeah. passes. Because fingers crossed, folks, it's passing, maybe even today. Um, 
Regardless, solar is still a really great solution. And I feel like, you know, back to the regenerative agriculture point of like environmental solution, obviously there's more tech involved in solar for sure. Um, But everything on the planet uses sun to create life and to power itself. Go in. The plants use it. The animals eat the plants. We eat the animals. I get a suntan. I'm looking fine. Yeah, totally. Everything uses the sun as its energy source. It just makes sense. Oh my gosh, we can create electricity from the sun. Let's do it. Exactly. It is. It's the most redundant nuclear generator in the sky ever. It's just so smart and so elegant and obvious. It is. And it's achievable. The products themselves, like the panels and the mods and the invert, all of it are working on a, a... commodities scale where they're getting more efficient and cheaper every year uh there's a lot of really cool provisions again we'll get into the ira like in the next yep. episode so yep. folks solution season it was a blast we solved it we solved it yeah we solved it no i think the thing that i <laughs> if only it was that easy yeah. to me and susanna did a podcast they agree climate change solved no i think the real thing that dawns <laughs> on me uh when i like take a sort of bird's eye view of all of these solutions is that like it's not one of them that's ever going to be the, right. the silver bullet yep. for any of this Climate change, much like the largest systems level problems or challenges that we have in a society, are actually solved by an interweaving and an interlacing of multiple solutions. Hopefully tight enough that there's not many uh, you know, problems that slip through the cracks. And so like, I think about climate change in the way that we think about uh, a housing crisis, or we think about poverty, or we think about you know, droughts or food shortages, not climate change droughts, but like just the, the feeling of like hunger or thirst. Like, these are problems that when a society looks to solve them, it's not ever one thing. Mm-hmm. You cannot solve a housing crisis by simply building more houses. There's more interconnected systems that need to be. That's a big step. That's a big step. But there's more interconnected uh, you know, solutions that need to interweave. And so yeah. what I loved about this was that like uh, kind of the counterpoint was when we were in our dark and depressive you know, post-Afghanistan moment in the war episode. Mm. We broke down how war has a negative impact on climate change by land, sea, and air. And that was done with a bit of poetry, you know, of like military designations. But let's think about that in the reverse. If that's if that devastation is felt in multiple biomes, then we need a solution that hits multiple parts of the, of the, the daily life of our people, the, the way the state functions, the way we're federated, and the way we cooperate and trade on a global scale. These are big systems. And so we need really a, a sort of constellation of solutions that work together uh, to prevent, you know, doom. <laughs> yeah. To put it lightly. And that's one thing that I was able to kind of get a better sense of in working on this season is that like, oh yeah, like sail freight. We can actually really make this work on a New York to Hudson, New York City to Hudson, New York distance. It makes sense, you know, like it's viable. It's like economically viable. It's a huge carbon reducer. And wow, we, we could clean up like the rivers and the waterways like domestically with something like that oh like transportation we should be thinking on a systems level about not only how to get individual evs to their drivers but like buses electric buses like all sorts of stuff so anyway i i've loved this season for giving me a broader view solar is just one piece of the puzzle um an important one but just one piece of the puzzle yeah totally i mean it's 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 interesting to zoom in and zoom out at yeah. the same time like we did with the season and see how absolutely it is this web of systems that's causing the problem 
And so, of course, a web of systems is, is what we need to, to fix the problem. And even to go, you know, like one layer up further into the clouds, it's like, what what are the the values we have in place as a society that has allowed us to make decisions that put the environment and people and communities so far below things like making money? Yeah. You know, like it's it's not just, OK, how are we going to farm? How are we going to get around? How are we going to um, generate electricity? It's OK. How do we make these decisions? How do we value things? How do we prioritize what's important to us as a society? And although we didn't really touch on that in this season, like it is exciting to hear um, environmentalists start taking that tack more of like a systems approach and um, how we change our thinking and our priorities when we tackle these solutions yeah. so we don't make the same mistakes again yeah. in this in this wrong thinking. So um, I'm excited to talk and think more about that too, of like, where are we going with the with the decision-making, yeah. not just the solutions. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to give you even more credit, but that's why I'm so excited about your new role at Sun Common. It's like, if you can think about how to enshrine those types of values in a for-profit company, you're beginning to chip away at that bigger question. It's, a, it's above the mechanical solutions, it's more the motivations and the things that hopefully keep you up at night. You know, yeah. you should think about your profit margin and why you're individually taking so much and what you could possibly shave off of your own pile because it will support the health of, of the communities that you live in. Like, I think we are all overdue to expand our sort of personal definitions of comfort and pleasure. And it could be really cool if people started taking comfort and pleasure in the comfort of others, in the safety of others. Like, if my neighbors are have secure access to food and water uh, and to electricity, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm safer. That's I'm actually living in a better society. I feel like that is a big theme that came out of this too, that community is community. also a really key part of all of this. And I have seen that echoed with other folks who write about this as well, that like, yes, definitely get your solar, get your EV, you know, sure, yeah. like, think about farming yeah. and make sure you're making community because when these um, climate issues come to us, it's, we're going to be solving them on a community scale. It's exactly. going to be, you know, like, yes. RCSA flooded, you know, RCSA like, flooded. can we, can we partner with a different CSA? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now we're in a drought or, um, yeah, like our road got washed out. Can our neighbors help us figure this out? Like it is going to be a lot about community at the end of the day when we're really feeling the impacts of a different climate. And when we're finally up to your level of gardening skills, we can coordinate who's growing the tomatoes this year. <laughs> what, because you're literally going to carry us on your back if the food ever runs out. Oh uh, my gosh. But this was I super can only fun. hope that's true. Yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed doing this season with you. And Me too. Let's give a little preview of the season to come. Yeah. So in the next uh, solar spill uh, season, we're going to be turning the lens back on ourselves. Yeah. Well, there are so many interesting jobs and roles at Suncommon and, and really in the renewable industry at large. And so many people don't know what they are. And we really need so many people to join us to help yes. make this transition happen. So we thought it would be fun if we interviewed some of the folks at Suncommon and just kind of dove a little deeper into what it actually is to do these jobs, to design a system, to evaluate a home, to uh, get up on a roof and actually put one of these things on a ho- on a house. Yeah. Um, what's that like day to day? What skills do you need? Why are 
these folks in this industry? What motivates them? So yeah, we're going to do a little dive into talking with our own team and figuring out what makes them tick and maybe even inspiring some of you out there to come join us. Yeah, I think it's a really cool thing, like, of course, for potential job seekers to get a better sense of vocabulary of what we do, what we look for in terms of skills. But I also think it's one of those great moments of normalization. You know, mm. I've never worked in renewables before, right? This is my first sort of marketing Welcome. Yeah, right, role. And what I find is that I'm using very similar tools uh, and sort of strategies as I have from outside of this category, in this category, to remarkably weird effects. I hope you choose to interview me in this next season. Um, but it's, it's a okay. cool thing because it, like, it, it's really changed my way of thinking, much like uh, you know, over a decade ago when I was beginning my work in the video games industry. Very different. And it was very different, but it was also just like there was this wild kind of like educational period where the public was like, that's not a real job. You right. must sit around and play games all day, like says everybody. And we're like, no, it's still, it's still work. It's, yeah. it's a lot of it. It'll be cool to kind of demystify and I think mm-hmm. like bring some context in. I also know that like, and I'm not even saying this because maybe my bosses are listening. Suncommon is honestly, I've never worked at a place with so, such a high percentage of like damn cool, good people. Like, That's true. We work with some really We've cool got great people. colleagues. Yeah. So like I, I'm also really interested in when you start to interview folks or when we start to interview folks, like what's their like, what gets them out of bed? You know, mm-hmm. like, of course, well, what do they do? But like. I also just love hearing their stories. So I'm excited for this next season. I think it's going to be a really fun one. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's always great getting get, getting together with you. Yes, this is so fun. Yeah, Let's do it fun. again soon. I miss this. Yeah, so for folks who've been tuning in, sorry that this season got so stretched out. We've just been so busy. But that has been the Solar Spill uh, Solution season. It's been a blast. Maybe we'll do another one at some point in the future. Thank you so much for listening. And if you're considering going solar in New York's Hudson Valley, Capital Region, or Vermont, please give us a shout. We're at suncommon.com. We are your local solar provider. See you later, Dewey. See you later, Susanna.